Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. We've got a great two-hour lineup for you. Really amazing, amazing things. Uh, really coming out of the gate in the first hour, I'm going to introduce Mona to you, Mona Sabani. But I want to take a minute before I do that, um, because one of the things I just, Benny, I, we just got to keep reminding folks that, uh, one, we are changing our time slot. Yes, we've been in this time slot for almost 20 years. And we're moving to a drive time, um, but uh, you'll get lots of information on that. Um, where you're listening to us from, you'll still be able to get us. I am FM in Seattle. You'll be able to get us on the transformation, you know, our network. Don't worry about it. Uh, but it was very exciting. It's a very exciting move for us. It's something that I've wanted to do with my show. Nothing changes in our transformation talk radio schedule. So I wasn't clear about that the other day, Benny. And I had to just tell everybody, don't worry, you're going to still be able to watch every show. Like if you're at Transformation Talk Radio not right now, and you're looking at that homepage, you're like looking at us. You're just seeing us. So all of that will stay the same. Now, what I love is I'm always fascinated how Linda, Mandanisa, you know, all of these PR people that we've been working with for so long how they line things up and give us amazing books like the one today we're gonna to talk about exactly when we needed to read this book. Okay, so I don't know, like, I don't know how Mona did that. I don't know how everything gets lined up, but I do know that when I look at my life, I could never have logically with this brain mapped the life out that I have today. If I think that I could do that all by myself, oh no, oh no. So what is it though? What is it when you hear me talk about the spiritual nature of some of the events in my life? What am I talking about? Well, I'm not going to talk about them today because that's what my very special guest and author of Proof of Spiritual Phenomenon, I love this and I love, I love we get to talk science. What do I mean by that? This is a neuroscientist discovery of what ineffable mysteries of the universe. I love that she has stepped forward and do this book. I know what it takes to kind of come out and say, I'm going to be about this. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to teach about it. And you're going to hear from Dr. Mona herself on the journey and the book and so much more. But let me tell you about who she is even more. So I'm not sure how each of us gets to where we are, but you're going to hear from her. I have now been able to look back at my life and, and kind of put the little dots together. Like when you go out to eat and there's like this diagram of like an elephant that you can't see, but you have to like follow the numbers and then it's an elephant. But she is a cognitive neuroscientist and author and entrepreneur. 
She's a former researcher at, the, we went to school very closely together, former researcher and scientist at the University of Southern California. She holds a doctorate in neuroscience from uh, USC, uh, completed postdoctorate fellowship at Vanderbilt uh, and MacArthur Foundation, and learn some things. So here's what I want to say you're going to hear. When you guys hear me talk about studying and researching the consequences of broken promises for 10 years, we learn some things. Now, unlike Dr. Mona, I have not had the courage to write a book about it. Dr. Mona, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, this idea and phenomenon, this book, and I just briefly told people a little bit about you, but I'm going to ask you a question I've been asking people for 20 years. I could go on about what you've done. We could pull up your academic articles. We can go over those things. We could really get into it. We're not going to, though. I don't want to scare you away. Mm -hmm. um, but here's what I really want to know. I really want to know what you, Dr. Morosamani, what you had to go through, what, what, you, what obstacles what challenges you had to overcome to bring you to this very moment right here today? Um, it was mostly myself. <laughs> A true neuroscientist. <laughs> mostly myself and my beliefs and my concepts of the world, my worldview, <laughs> what I thought about myself and what I thought of the world. I think, um, I think those were probably... And then I write about all that in the book, but that's, um, it was a transformation and it was really just, it wasn't, it was sort of started off with facing my worldview and then it ended up being a more personal <laughs> um, transformation, I guess. Yeah. Like of what I believe um, about myself. It, so it ended up being um, like two crises rolled up in one to get here. Yeah. Um, I love the opening of the book. Welcome to the public. Well, welcome to the public funeral of the old me. Something like that, right? Is that the opening yeah. of the book? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I hope you had a party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> it was because um, my old. Um, yeah. And what I meant by that was I. I was a typical, like, hard-nosed, skeptical scientist and um, didn't believe in anything. Actually, I was very uh, anti-spiritual and anti-religion uh, and anti-religiosity in general. And so I was, um, you know, the least likely person to open my mind. I was pretty aggressively anti-all those things. And then um, I just had a series of uh you know, life events happen that forced me to look at those beliefs and to look at my worldview and ultimately transform them. And as I mentioned, I, I ended up transforming myself as well. So um, it really was like becoming a whole new person. And I look back and I, it, it kind of, at some point I was like, oh, we need to like, I need to decide that um, I'm going to embrace this new person and in, in sort of like a metaphorical sense, have a funeral for the person that I used to be. Um, and hopefully it'll help me accept it and, and kind of move forward. So it was, it actually was a whole mental thing that I went through. And that's why I wrote it that way. Yeah, I love it because that's, you know, I, there's a lot of things you and I have in common. 
you know, one of the things that I can't remember the book where I read it, where, where you were talking to your soul sisters and you say something, you say something, you know, like who let me isolate. And then, you know, and then I came back because I love that part of the journey. You know, the other thing is we all do these rituals the way we want. Um, uh, like you, anti-religion, anti, I don't even know all the antis, right? I mean, there's a whole lot of them. But there are events we can point to where it's either like a trickle or a flood. Now, mine was not a trickle. Mine was a very out of integrity boss in 1997 in the middle of my dissertation down here at Claremont mm. who sent me on a vision quest to literally copy everything Sedonia Cahill was doing, steal her techniques, mm. bring them back so he can use them. Oof. <laughs> I'm saying that to you because when we embark, on any kind of spiritual, call it tickled by a feather or hit by a, a brick, we changed. Mm -hmm. how, what can you recall of your first, how should I say it, aha, that, oh, wait a minute, I totally cannot even walk into that Catholic church anymore. This is not you. This is, uh, and now I find myself going to St. Patrick Cathedral and taking holy water. Okay. Did you have a moment like that? Yeah, um, for me, it was, um, I didn't have one moment where everything changed. Um, because that's actually the transformation was the kicking and screaming that my mind, <laughs> my ego and my mind um, went kicking and screaming. So that it was not, uh, not one thing, but <clears throat> it was a series of things. But the thing that kicked it off was that, um, so I'm Persian, um, that's my heritage. My parents are from Iran. And in our culture, we have a tradition of, uh, I guess, doing divination using um, uh, Armenian coffee grounds. Um, so it's like a heavier coffee, you drink it in a cup, you leave the grounds, you flip it over, it dries and turns into pictures, and then a reader can um, divine or intuit, <clears throat> whatever you prefer, um, things about your life. And so my grandmother was very skilled in it and she taught my mom and my mom was um, apparently very good and so this was always going on in the background of our family parties and people would always come over to have my mom read and then when I got older my friends would you know like fight over who could come over for readings and um, I kind of ignored it and didn't really pay attention to it didn't really think it was real obviously um, and then when I was in graduate school my family's from Los Angeles. So I would come home on the weekends and she started uh, just, we would have coffee together and she would just absentmindedly read for me. And I, at first, you know, didn't even pay attention to it, but then started noticing that the things that she said would come true. And um, like with very weird accuracy, like there'd be really small details that would be significant to me, but insignificant to someone else. And she just knew um, the ins and outs of situations. So I started writing them down and um, tracking them for years and years because I was just kind of interested. Um, and I was just realized she was way more right than she was wrong. And but I couldn't, you know, reconcile it with my science. So I never bothered to try. Um, and then in 2016, she saw a um, like a really bad thing that was coming up and she kept seeing it for weeks, like five weeks in advance. And um, she usually doesn't even tell me about bad things or 
won't I won't warn me but this one she was like oh I I I need to you um I feel like I need to tell you because it keeps coming up and it looks unusual and whatever and so um, five weeks later um one of our um, professors at USC was murdered by one of the students and it was someone I had worked or he had helped me with an experiment on my dissertation. Luckily, I was, I mean, not that it matters, but I i had graduated. I was still working at USC, yeah. but I wasn't in the program anymore. But um, anyway, it, and so I um, told her and she was like, oh, it was a death. I didn't know who it was, but I knew it was going to be unusual. And um, so that kind of shook me because obviously it was yeah already an upsetting event. And then um, I couldn't get past how she had seen it weeks in advance. Like I just, my, I was like paralyzed with fear of like, what does this mean? And what is this universe? And um, I didn't do anything with that, but it really shook me. Uh, and I feel like that was probably the first, like, I think of it as like seeds being planted. I think that was the first seed that kind of just right. shook me and then um and then two years later um I had a heartbreak like a romance that my mom had seen coming and it sounded like it was going to be good and then um, most of the details were right but it it ended and I was not in a I guess a great place personally and so when I just um fell into like <laughs> depression and despair for the first time ever exactly. and uh realized you know I asked um my my mom's outcome was wrong. And so then I became interested in the yeah. mechanics of the readings. And I, I had to figure it out. I was like, I have to know how these things work. Um, is there fate or destiny? You know, are things written in stone? Do things change? Um, and so that was the that was the event that really kicked off kind of my um journey, like of actually investigate. Like I wanted to interview psychics and mediums and and understand how, what they experienced and I didn't even know if I believed it, right. any, it was true so it was kind of it was a journey to to see if I believed exactly <laughs> yeah I love it see there's a reason I'm asking you to share this because people are going to go back to this interview and they're going to listen to this and they're going to understand why you wrote the book you did and I wanted people to get to know this part of you because they can find out who you are as a neuroscientist. They have heard me talking up about me as a researcher and what research on broken promises did to me in a good way, but a very sad way, because I had no idea that when I studied, no, formerly known as psychological contract violation, a very strange word for broken promises. I studied with Denise herself, but after 10 years, and the way they shaped and wanted me to study this, just like you in a lot of ways in this book, quantitative, qualitative, postdoctorate. I have 1,200 pages to this day of interview notes that I can't barely look at. But here's why I ask you this. If you all are listening, go and look at this book. Read the introduction, please. Because what you're going to find you're going to find not only what we're talking about, but you're going to find this statement. And I was so thrilled. It was, this was a game changer for, I get a lot of books, but when I read this, I said, we have got to interview her. I need to know more. 
right there, it, you go and you say something like, before we slip into that story, and we'll tell you about that, we are talking about it. You said, I thought long and hard about the inclusion of this book of fringe science findings. I love that parentheses, because what are those other than outliers? Mm. And then I almost stopped. But then you said, but ultimately decided to include them because the evidence was strong by any normal measure of scientific standards. Congratulations, Bruce. <laughs> Thank you. It was people but stop, Mona. Dr. Mona Wright, talk about this because I want to talk about what we're talking about in the book now. But most people that write a book and that come from a science and research background, it were it was the outliers in my book that won my research awards. I would imagine it was the outliers in this book that changed you, did they? Yeah, yeah, it was all that um evidence. And so yeah, like I said. I just mentioned I went on like a personal quest. I went on an interview quest to interview people. It started off that way is just for myself. You know, I just wanted the answers. So I was interviewing people just for me. But then, yeah, it turned into this more, um, you know, actual, like, let me read scientific papers. Let me read books. Let me talk to people doing the research. I never intended to do that. It just turned into that because as I spoke to people, um, they would recommend things and I I naively thought that there had been not a lot of research done on psychic phenomena. Um, I knew parapsychology vaguely existed somewhere in the ether, but I wasn't familiar, you know, with any of the methods or any of the work. And so, um, yeah, I just naively thought this hadn't been studied. Um, but then in my, as I was interviewing people, I came to realize um, that there had been hundreds of studies and that there were so many that there were um, meta-analyses and reviews you know, which in science is like a way that we pull, pull all the data together and assess how strong the evidence is for something. Um, and yeah, I was just blown away at the scale of the research and the modernity, like these, these were new studies still being published. They were methods that I was familiar with that we had used in our own research, <laughs> psychology and neuroscience. Um, and yeah, the effects were, the effect sizes were small, but so are most of the effect sizes in psychology studies. So um, I, you know, I really was looking at these, trying to, to be critical of them. And I thought, I mean, I just can't, like I've done, I published my own papers and um, these are as good as, as those are as good as my colleagues, if not better. And I, you just can't, yeah, you just have to brush it away. Um, and which is most people do because they're just not interested in it. They haven't read it in the first place. But since I was interested in reading it, I was like, well, I, I, I don't know. It's kind of like, and in science, you really can't do that. You can't, if you're like writing a lit review, you can't be like, this paper doesn't support my model. I'm not going to include it. Like you oh would never boy. We could do a whole show on that conversation. Right. But yeah. you're right. You can't do it. Yeah. So it just became, it just, um, and I really did. I was like, Oh, should I just, I should just write a book on my transformation, which it was easy. But then I thought but that's not even, that's, it was such a part of the story. The psychic stuff was such a part of the story. And I was really yeah. genuinely impressed by the research. I mean, I really was. <laughs> I was just like, this is, this is pretty good. Shocking. It blows you away. I do a show. I want to just, I want to get right to the book because man, I just, I love that you not only included everything we're talking about, but I thank you for honoring your parents and your parents' journey. And yeah. let me tell you why. Um, Six months after starting the show, I started to doubt myself and I got very, very sick. And the, the angel lady, this is true now, 
Okay. This is, this could have been in your book. (laughs) The angel lady at the time said to me, you've got to go find a naturopath that works on T3. So back in 2003 and 04, there was like, not what we have today. Mm -hmm. I Googled and up came a number of people. And I picked Dr. Nusheen Darvish. The same story as your parents, her parents, they, they, they uh, migrated to Canada, right? Iranian background. Didn't know any of this at that time. Saved my life. She's now my best friend. We do shows together. She took risks. She's a medical intuitive, but I will tell you that the series of events I also learned through her spiritual, can I call them holdings and beliefs? Because it wasn't anything that she was going to say to me that would help me understand that I could get better. She would hold the space for this. And I get the sense that was your mom. I think your mom in the story. Um, But as you go on and you write the book and thank you for honoring them. Yeah, thank you for saying that. (laughs) Such a journey. Yeah. Um, I actually became one of the spokespeople, did an event for the Baha'i religion to stop the persecution of women trying to gain knowledge in Iran. But today, I want to ask you about the way you just get right into this, man, because this is the foundation, I think, for everything else in the book. You're wondering if you're on the right path. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then you say, yes, you are. I want to use that a basis for what else comes in the book. Because even today, I get hit with doubt right up the side of my head, like I got hit by a two by four. And I have to realize, what do you call it? My brain is a storyteller. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it tells like stories of nightmares. From a neuroscience perspective, can we talk? about the idea of our brain being a storyteller because you really set the stage for us to open up to more possibilities don't you yeah yeah absolutely so there's um i i could talk about the experiments if you want but there's there's a series of experiments in um neuroscience that uh, the reason i included all of that in the book was because i was trying to explain that um, the reason why neuroscientists are additionally more skeptical than regular <laughs> scientists because because we study the brain and then the brain filters information and it reworks the information that it does let in um, by creating meaning, creating stories around it. Um, it your brain's constantly trying to take its past information and predict what's going to happen in the future. And um, it does that with whatever information it has available, but it uses all these different filters, like your personality, your past experiences, um, and whatever current goal you have in mind, it uses that to filter information. And so um, the experiment that I talk about in the book that exemplifies how the brain is, how much of a storyteller it is, is that it's these split brain patient experiments. It's a really old experiment. They used to, there's two hemispheres of the brain. They're connected by a bundle of neurons in the middle. And um, 
in the old, uh, they don't, I don't think they do this anymore, but with um, certain patients that had intractable epilepsy, they used to cut the bundle of neurons that connects the two hemispheres and it would stop the epilepsy. Um, but then <laughs> a range of other problems occurred. So with these patients, um, the two hemispheres normally they can speak to each other and share the information um, that they have, but in these patients, they couldn't. So with these patients, what they would do is your um, your right eye connects to your left brain and your left eye connects to your right brain. So they, would, they wanted to see, are the left and right brain different from each other? So they would, um, for example, present a, um, a word to the, let me get this right, to the right eye that goes to the left <laughs> hemisphere and then, or a picture even, and ask the person, let's say it's of a duck, um, and ask the person, what did you see? And the, the for most people, language is, is housed in the left hemisphere. So most of the patients would be able to tell the researcher out loud, like verbally, I saw a duck. Yeah. Uh, but if they showed the picture to the other eye and it went to the right hemisphere, um, the right hemisphere doesn't have language. So if the researcher would ask the person, they wouldn't be able to verbally respond. They, would, they wouldn't know. But if you ask them to draw a picture, like if you gave them paper and a pen, you say, what did you see? Their mouth would say, I don't know, but their hand would draw the duck. I love this. This yeah. is so very important. And let me tell you why. Thank you for including the science in the book. Oh, thank you for thank you for explaining it. You had to make a conscious decision to do this because what you just explained, if parents understood what you just said, or adults understood what you just said, I'm going to let you finish this story too because it has a punchline. Yeah, we would be very different. Now, the reason I was excited about it because I'm what you call learning different. I'm also, what is the right word? Mentally different is what we call ourselves now. Remember, we used to say you're slow, you're disabled. Remember that language, right? Okay, please don't email me, you all. I am, I, I, look, this is what we were called. We didn't have the understanding you just talked about. So when somebody could not say the word duck, you are classified, right? As something is really wrong with you. But you see, the, the fact that you, as an amazing author, a neuroscientist, are able to include that science in a book like this, you're really doing groundbreaking things here, aren't you? Oh, just trying to share the knowledge, I guess. <laughs> Very modest. But I love this. We're going to take a short break because when we come back, we're going to talk about why this is important in the rest of the book. Look, I grew up, I, I'm a kid from New York. I grew up in the projects. I had a certain learning difficulties, but I never saw words. Even today as you speak, I don't know if you're watching my face. I'm trying not to stare at you, but every word you say, I see images. Mm. That's why you don't do good on GRE exams and you don't, right? Yes, yes. Right? But you can become a great theorist. You can draw a diagram of, I could draw a diagram right now of exactly what you said. There are millions of kids and adults now that if they understood this, but what else taps into this? Can you be a person like we're describing and have innate, amazing, intuitive abilities? We're going to talk about that when we come back. But before we do, Dr. Mortar, can you please let folks know 
how did they get a copy of this amazing book and how do they find out about you? Yeah. Um, the book is sold wherever books are sold. Um, but you can link, I link to it directly on my website, which is monasabaniphd.com. And, um, most of the information should be there. Yeah. And, and those of you out there, just Google this here, uh, Google proof of spiritual phenomenon. Just Google that and then Google neuroscience. You, it's going to come up. You're going to get it. When we come back, we're going to really take a deeper dive into where the journey for Dr. Mona goes. You know, what is it now where you get so excited about what you've discovered? And I love, love, love that she included this science in the book. Because what happens when you then get to the question, is there a God? Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. 1-800-930-2819. If you'd like to ask a question, all of the above, we'll be right back. Benny and Jacob. Are you ready to experience full body system wellness? Tune in to the Empower Me Show with Pam Bright, a spiritual toolbox for your life. Embrace the fullness of who you are as a spiritual being having a human experience. Pam Bright is a multidimensional healer, light language channel, energy intuitive, and spiritual transformation coach. Join her for a rich conversation about how to unlock all your spiritual gifts on Transformation Talk Radio. In body, in power, in soul. Activate the spirit within you in deep conversations of power, faith, grace, love, and forgiveness. On Soul Inspired Reflections, Ascension, a humble awakening of the heart. Join me, your host, Gina Libido, every second Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. And find that even the chaos of your world makes sense and adds meaning and purpose. Make a choice, be inspired, take action. For more information, go to soulinspired.org. That's soul-inspired.org. Power up with Dr. Pat at a new time. The Dr. Pat Show is still bringing you talk radio to thrive by now at a new time. Listen and watch live on KKNW and the Transformation Network Mondays and Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific time. Stay tuned for new perspectives, powerful conversations, and epic transformation. For more information on how and where to find Dr. Pat and the rest of the Transformation Network hosts, visit thedrpatshow.com. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about Maximum Medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the maximum you. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. You know, as you go through the book, I want to just make sure you all know that I am having a great time here and you are hearing about the journey, the story, the research, and now you're going to hear about the phenomenon of what it takes to write a book called Proof of Spiritual Phenomenon. You know, this is a neuroscientist discovery of the ineffable, ineffable 
Mysteries of the Universe, Dr. Mona, no, Dr. Mona Sabani. Now, you all have heard me talk about what it took for me to get a spiritual measure in my postdoctorate work. Well, what it took for me is not to call it that. But here we are today with somebody that said, I have got to understand this. I am going to write about it. And I am going to write a book about it. And that's what you want to do. You want to just read proof of spiritual phenomena. Um, Dr. Mona, thank you for today. Look, you did a beautiful job of not just sharing your personal story, but then you talk about the people that show up and your science. And then you talk about the people that show up that became guides for you. And so when I read the book and I step back and read the book and then I go back, you've literally laid out your soul's blueprint in this book and what shifts you had to make. Yeah. Mentally, spiritually, probably physically, mm. because you wanted to tell a story. Let's talk about the story that is then told in the rest of the book and, and, and what you found in the, I'm going to say in the research of this, because that is like, to me, that is like worth its weight in gold nuggets and alien pictures. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so we, when I was after my mom's reading and I would decided I wanted to kind of dig into this, my girlfriends and I started going for psychic readings for, for fun. Um, and they were, you know, they were at first, cause I told them, I was like, I want to understand if these readings are real. And, and I had never been to, um, a psychic or an intuitive besides my mom's readings. Cause I didn't actually like externally, um, or publicly believe any of that stuff. I didn't even know if I believed it, my mom's stuff or if it was just coincidence. Um, and so my uh, friends would go to psychics and they they knew some um, one woman in LA who uh, would turn you away if she could, she wouldn't take your money if she couldn't read you. And she had actually turned my friend away twice. And she was like, honey, like, I can't read you. So they're like, we should go to her and then we can um, like, well, let's compare reading. So my friends and I kind of did this for fun. Like we went over the course of a year to the same reader at the same time to the same reader at different times like different readers and then we all we all had different things going on in our lives so we compared notes just for fun and through that we're like oh there's definitely something going on here like they're picking up on specific things in our from our past you know from all of our pasts are different like things currently going on and so then that's when I started um um Oh, actually, no, I hadn't even started. I hadn't done anything with that. That was just, that was kind of the very beginning. And that was just for yeah. us to generally understand. Um, and then in the readings, they would talk about karma and soul lessons and soul groups and reincarnation and stuff like that. And I did not have um, any mental framework for that whatsoever. I'd never heard of this. I've, I, you know, just from culture, pop culture, I, I heard about reincarnation, but I didn't believe in it. So I just kind of brushed it off, but I wrote it down. I recorded the sessions. It was there. Um, and then a few months later, just, um, I was listening to Chelsea Handler had this limited series podcast on a book she had just written and to not related to spirituality at all, but randomly one of her podcast episodes, she had Laura Lynn Jackson, who's a psychic medium. She had her on the show 
And then Laura Lynn Jackson started talking about the spiritual framework and like school as a, I'm sorry, earth as a school, we come here to learn lessons. And I kind of just perked up because I was like, oh, this like sounds familiar to what the psychics had told me and which I had brushed off because I didn't understand earlier. So I kind of like turned up the, you know, <laughs> what I think I was listening in my car. I just like turned it up and I was like, what, what is she? And I kind of was trying to pay attention. And then in their conversation, they mentioned um, in passing a book that everyone should read, but they didn't really talk about what it was, but they, it was many lives, many masters by Dr. Brian Weiss. And they said it was like a psychiatrist case study. So I ordered it on Amazon, not even knowing what the book was about. <laughs> I just thought it was a psychiatrist case study. They said everyone should read it. I ordered it. It arrived. And then I started reading it. And then I was like, what am I reading? This is so weird. And I was very, my old self, this was old me. So I was reading it and I was like, um, what is this? Like, this is kind of ridiculous. What is this guy talking about? But I finished the book and that was the third time the spiritual framework was in the book. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like this, these psychics I went to in LA talk, you know, talk about this framework. I was like, Laura Lynn Jackson and Chelsea Handler were talking about it. And I'm like, and now this prestigious, you know, Yale Columbia educated psychiatrist is, is talking about it. Um, and the way he came across it is because one of his patients in a regression, you know, spontaneously described it, even though she didn't believe in it. So anyway, to me as a scientist, that was like three different data points. And I was kind of like, this is, this is strange. And it kind of just piqued my interest because um, it, it did help me mentally reframe. So I was obviously not going through a difficult time in my life. And it, it was an interesting uh, fun exercise to reimagine the things going on in my life from a spiritual perspective. And I found it to be very valuable and it really turned things around for me, like psychologically, yeah. um, even though I was just playing around with the ideas, I was like, well, what if, you know, instead of thinking about this situation this way, I thought about it as what lesson am I supposed to be learning from this? Or, you know, what have I learned from the situation that I can take with me moving forward? So that simple reframe really helped me and I was surprised by it. And then, like I said, I had an identity crisis because I was upset by it because I was like, no, I'm a scientist. And my identity was, no, I'm anti-spirituality. This can't be <laughs> like I've spent my whole life um, raging against it. Um, but it was so helpful and nothing else had helped up to that point that I, you know, eventually had to just accept it. <laughs> just yeah. like, I, and I think it got to a point where I was living in dissonance for a while where I, in my head, I was like, you know, this is really helping me, but I think publicly, I still wouldn't admit it to anyone. But um, that book um, made me really interested because not only was it just fascinating that he had laid out the spiritual framework, but it turned out that the regressions were very healing for people mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, so I went and read all his books and um, dug into the whole past life regression literature. I Roger Wolger, Michael Newton. I read all of the books. Wow. I was just fascinated. Um, and then of course that led me to other, in, of course, past life regression is not, is not something, the best thing to, you can investigate scientifically, like with scientific rigor, right. but, and I, but I wasn't looking for that at that point. I was just interested in the stories. Um, but that was a jumping off point, um, you know, for later to read the reincarnation literature and near death experiences. And that kind of led me down this, um, this rabbit hole of, of other books on other worldviews, other philosophies, other spiritual frameworks. Yeah, it's like breadcrumbs, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's like, you ever hear the, you ever hear the, um, I mean, look, 
the reason that you're able to do this is because anybody that's ever gone through the rigor of research that has to be approved by a board, and I don't want to bore people listening to the show with that, but there are hoops you must jump through, especially even if you are taking information from other ideas, other people, other stories, other notations, other citations, everything is approved. Everything has to be done. That's why I'm so excited about what you, what you did, but to go from where you are to where we go through, go get to at the end of the book is exciting. Here's what I want to ask you about. Yeah. I know for me, there were certain things I expected from this research. And in the middle of it, I get sent on this 10 day vision quest, right? Mm. Why? I mean, think about it. I'm in school, I'm doing this high powered consulting up here. My boss is flying me back and forth because somebody thinks I'm invaluable. Going down to Claremont, my schedule works out entirely without a hiccup for six years. Impossible, right? I mean, you know it. I, but in the middle of it, right before I had to actually start my stuff, a 10 day vision quest in the desert, like with snakes, Okay, so here's what I want to ask you, because I, I only have one way to explain that, and it's not logical, it's not science, and it's not linear. But as you went through and you look at the rest of the book and the stories you included, there have to be some where you said, oh, no. Did that really happen? Oh, are any of the, are any of the, which ones come to mind without giving everybody the whole book? Yeah. Right? But I know there were some things that shifted me and changed me on that vision quest, which I couldn't explain. And, and it took me a really long time to talk about, I couldn't even talk about the experience. And then when I did, I had to read it. I couldn't talk about it. I had to read it. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things in my journal said, how are turkey vultures saved my life? <laughs> what, what's your turkey vulture here? <laughs> uh -huh. So at first, at first, I, I, I as a scientist, I, I was digging into the the scientific literature after I, after I read those um, past life regression books, I was like, all right, let me dig into the psychic, you know, the studies. Um, and I was still in this, like, um, I believe I don't believe phase for a very long time, because uh, even if you read the studies, you're kind of like, oh, it's, you know, contradicts my worldview. Um, it's hard to accept. Um, so then what was, what pushed me over was the personal experience. So like, as soon as I started to open up to this, you know, the spirituality and I would, I would, I've always been, I've always been a meditator actually for many years, but, um, I started, you know, like, <laughs> I think I talk about this one in the book, but set an intention when I was meditating to like allow, you know, something significant from the next few days to come to me. And so like, I had one of those precognitive visions um, that came true. And I mean, when you have a moment like that, it's, you know, it's so powerful. You have goosebumps, like you're so shook. You don't even know what just happened. Like, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, I read the scientific papers, but this is different experiencing it. Um, I mean, that, that was one of them. And then there, I think I, the one I talk about at the end of the book, this was one of those moments where I like just chills from head to toe. I, um, 
and this was at the very beginning, right after I had heard, I think I heard Chelsea's podcast and Laura, that whole thing was in September. And I like ordered many lives, many masters in October. And in December we were going, my group of friends was going, we're meeting at a restaurant for dinner for a birthday. And um, my friends texted me while on the way. Oh, and I had asked the uh, universe for a sign. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try out this spiritual thing, you know, and I had kept asking for signs, but I would forget the sign that I chose. Um, and so it was like, it was failing miserably. And I was like, this, the universe is not proving itself to me. Um, and so like in December, I finally, I was like, you know what, um, if the universe wants me on this path, like it's going to have to give me a really huge sign that I can't ignore that is super meaningful for me and only me. And I'm not going to choose it. It has to show me. And so then to like two days later, we're going to dinner at this restaurant and my friends texted me. I was like five minutes away and they're like, how far are you from the restaurant? Are you going to get here soon? And I'm like, yeah, I'm right. I'm like five minutes away. Why? And they're like, Chelsea Handler's here. <laughs> they're like she's here she just came with her friends and her family she's sitting down so they're like she's probably going to be here for a while so don't rush but she's here and I just had chills like I have chills again right now because I just remember thinking like I could not even speak when I got to the restaurant I'm like I can't believe this (laughs) like I've never seen I live in LA I've never seen her before I've never seen her since but I saw her that night like right when I had asked for a sign and I was just like and I told my friends and we were all just like in disbelief it was it was very I know it's you know like the scientist in me is still like that's stupid but <laughs> she's still there in the back <laughs> commenting <laughs> on everything um but it's like those 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 experiences are so powerful you know like emotional they're so like I got goosebumps again when I tell every time I tell the story um those things are meaningful to us as humans and they um you know evoke emotion which makes you happy which makes you healthy so regardless of whether it's true or not which we may never be able to prove it's like whatever just bask in it I do and I love that you're sharing that because that is a really perfect example I do a show on um Thursdays uh I I've been doing this for a long time but rarely have I co-hosted with other people and I decided Mark Anthony and I decided to do a show called the psychic and the doc it's on Thursdays at four o'clock and it's fairly interesting now I understand a lot about this, but when you see Mark in action, this is not a science research. I don't know what he's doing or how he's doing it, but when he talks to a listener and says, somebody's coming through and I keep smelling roses. Oh, oh, but it's roses in metal. And, And he goes through and then the person says, Oh, that's my father who loved guns and roses. You just, I'm like, what? So part of this is realizing after reading your book that we have this phenomena in our own lives, every day of our lives. And I love that you asked for a sign because I ask for signs all the, all the time. And my recent sign is this squirrel right over there, right? I, I'm doing a show from home today because I had to get a little surgery on my foot. And I got this little squirrel for the entire Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, doing a show. This little squirrel loves to come up, pop up, sit on this and staring at me. (laughs) But let's talk about in 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 the last minutes we have left, because what this book does is it helps people understand the phenomenon that may be going on in their own lives, just like you sharing your story, right? And I I have a sense that that was really important for you 
to create this book with these stories, with the science, so people can figure out that we're getting information. Please look at how you might use it. Was that part of your, your vision for this? Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. I had a lot of um, reasons for writing it. Um, I think, as I mentioned, my personal transformation and journey was so um, <laughs> excruciating for me because I was very judgmental of myself and others and, and arrogant and, and all those things. Um, and so it's just interesting from like a psychological, personal transformation thing for me. It was really difficult, um, but super valuable. And I think everyone should do it. <laughs> and I think that, um, I think the other aspect, uh, the more spiritual aspect was that I, as I mentioned, I found that spirituality was very valuable and helpful. Um, and so since then I've, I've dug into other research, you know, showing like, it's actually good for your health, um, for you know, a number of ways. And so kind of in a way, because I think I felt like I didn't have permission to believe that because of my scientific training. And so I I really am right, was writing the book for like the person I used to be being like, it's okay <laughs> if you want to believe in something that we don't have 100% evidence for, because in fact, science doesn't have a lot of answers and explanations for a lot of things. So <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of, kind of that, but then, and also that all of the... Um, spiritual and mystical things that I engaged in like meditation, but the self-work, um, psychedelics, all of those things helps me heal. Yeah. And so, um, I, I just think it's important for us to look at those societally again, from a neuroscience perspective, we don't have a lot of great explanations for mental illness and a lot of great, um, curative treatments for, for mental health. And so when on this journey for myself, um, I just found a lot of great modalities for that were maybe off the beaten, they're definitely off the pharmacological path <laughs> and off, you know, off the psychiatrist path, yes. but they're like altered states of consciousness are very healing and we should really embrace them. I love it. And, you know, part of this, I wanted to share with everybody, but I just want to make sure that those of you that are listening, you know, I am really talking with Dr. Mona Savani. And for those of you what, that are asking, what is the book? It's called Proof of Spiritual Phenomena. It's a neuroscientist's discovery of ineffable mysteries of the universe. But there's something really important I want everybody to know. When you read the book, there are very few books that are written like this that end the book with more recommendations to read, more citations. And so what I wanna to say to all of you is, yes, you're gonna read an incredible story. And by the way, thank you for your use of metaphors throughout the book. Mm -hmm. um, but what you're gonna read is you're gonna find information. You're gonna find what Dr. Mona has done is in her own way created a story, but in a different way, she's created these dots for you to follow. There's more information in this book in what the references and the citations are on this phenomenon than I've seen in a long time. But I wanna share this with everybody, Dr. Mona, if I could, because this was the punchline for me in a lot of ways. And I, do you mind if I read from your book? No, not at all. Okay. So you got to read the rest of the book, but here, here is the way the book takes you to the end. I came to think of my prior self or someone living in a cave, parentheses, a smart person in a nice, comfortable cave, but limited nonetheless. I thought of my, what I am now considered, life crisis as an earthquake that caused the doomed rock of the cave to crack wide open, allowing sunlight to pour in. 
The cave was nice before, but the shimmering daylight and incomparably exquisite with its illuminating warmth, I never want to step out of the sun again. Wow. Now, here we go. From that image of warmth and light, I want to leave you with this. What would you research, read, or begin learning next to further your life experience for the better? I love this. I invite you to get personally acquainted with the enchanted and the numinous dimensions of life in whatever way you choose. This is your invitation from the cosmos. You couldn't have ended that book any better. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, I, I did invitation. Want yeah. I wanted to invite that's yeah, that was one thing I um because for me on my journey, the personal experience is what's uh cinched the deal, right? Like the scientific evidence was nice, but the personal experience is what made it in um irrefutable for me. So whenever I yeah, talk to people now, um, I say, you know, do read do all the reading you want, you know, and I'll give you references, but go go get an astrological reading, go get a psychic reading, go meditate. I can't suggest you do a psychedelic, but if you're into that, do it, whatever, to like get acquainted with my spiritual mystical aspects of the universe. And thank you for doing that. The other thing I want to thank you for is a beautiful invitation to people. I would love to have you please tell folks how they can find you how they can get a copy of the book. And then I'd like to know your personal message, what you'd like to leave us with today. Yeah. Um, so my website is monasabaniphd.com. You can um, order, pre-order the book there. All the links are there, but the book is sold wherever books are sold, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, wherever. Um, I also write a psychedelic newsletter, so you can sign up for that on the website. Um, and well, my I guess my personal mantra now is actually stay radically curious because I... I mean, this whole this whole journey has really just taught me that we don't know anything and to just stay open and curious because even though, you know, at every point I think you're like, oh, now I know, now I know, now I know, but just to accept that that that's never going to end. So just stay it's curious. Not. It's not. That's why I do what I do. People have asked me, just so you know, why did I start this in 2003? I am a student. I am so curious. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know why, and I don't know what it's supposed to do. I just know it is something to do that you and I could share what you've written about and all the work you've put into this with an audience. And somewhere out there, someone will hear something today. Someone will get your book and their lives will change for the better. And I wanted to thank you for that so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And let's write Chelsea Handler a little note, shall we? Yeah, Chelsea, I love you. I love you. You can still do some stuff. Thank you, Dr. Mona, Benny, Jacob. What a great show, everybody. And please, the book is available. You will be able to get out there and get it. Proof of spiritual phenomena, please. There's so much in this book, not only stories, but there are references. And it's an amazing journey. As you take this pathway with Dr. Mona, you will get to feel what she is feeling. You'll get to feel and see the aha moments. You'll get to understand the science, and then you'll get the opportunity to step out and be boldly open to infinite possibilities. Let's take a break. We'll be right back.